0: Welcome back to Endurance Icons, where we talk to people who are crushing it in the world of endurance sports. Today, you have Mark and Jess. Uh, That's right, we're going to do a host episode. And so, first, how are you doing, Mark?
1: I am doing great. We just finished a nice VO2 Max session, just a re intro to it. It feels good to get some intensity going again. Speak for yourself.
0: Um, It is why I am wearing a hat because we did just do a workout. I did not want to. make anyone who is watching online see what my hair looks like after a workout. So we've got our hot chocolates and we're ready to talk to you about a whole bunch of different things.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a bit of a random episode, but probably some good tidbits in there. And we're going to talk about some Ironman news as well, or triathlon news, sorry.
0: Yeah, well, um, these episodes are always random, which is why they're fun and why people actually say they enjoy listening to them. So we're going to keep it random. The first thing we're going to talk about is some news in the endurance sports world, um, coming up, we have Florida and Cozumel Ironmans.
1: Yeah. Exciting that we still have two pretty big races left. And I, I don't think I've ever seen as stacked fields at these two races as I have. I don't know if people are trying to get, um, world champ slots early. So a bunch of, I know a bunch of the ITU guys who are before they focus on some of the, uh, Paris stuff for next year, are trying to sneak some slots so that they don't have to in their Paris buildup, but then also tons of the big hitters from Kona and Ironman World Champs are all racing in Florida and Cozumel. So they're all doing doubles, which is going to make for some exciting racing.
0: Yeah. And I think that it's so cool to see the women who were doing Kona jumping over to do Florida. Like what beasts? I, I can tell you, I, I mean, having just done Kona, I don't really feel like doing another Ironman. Like these women are incredible.
1: Yeah. Pretty cool. I think it's like Sky and Jocelyn McCauley and yeah, a couple of, I think there's like six or seven of them on the Florida list for this weekend, which is wild. And then men's side, there's like Magnus ditlev Unfortunately, Joe Skipper just had to scratch I yeah, heard I he had a that Very scary thing. Like he was like sitting. Yeah, he was in a conversation. Almost sounded like a stroke or something where he just couldn't talk anymore. Scary stuff for him. Hopefully he can uh get that under wraps and rebound. He he's had a rough year. I feel bad. I like following that guy, and I just want to see him uh get the race he deserves with all those epic workouts he's doing.
0: I know. But- that's where mental fortitude comes in. It doesn't always work out, but yeah, yeah, rooting for him.
1: Yeah, he'll get that result he deserves eventually. But yeah, rough year for old uh, old Jody, the junkyard dog. Too bad.
0: Oh, it's interesting to see. I feel like this, like Iron Man, as we know it, continues to change. So we're seeing a little bit of a shift in how people are showing up to like Florida and Cozumel, and there's absolutely going to be a change next year. Um, there's been some big news announced in the Ironman world in terms of the pro series.
1: Yeah, that was cool. When we were in Kona, they announced that and man, that's going to make things so interesting. I don't know what people are going to do in terms of, especially the top, top pros in terms of balancing PTO and that, cause they had that new pro series where essentially points across Ironman and 70.3 races and kind of your best five races of the year with, the max of three being of them being Ironman. So it's, uh, it's nice for the Ironman athletes to have something to kind of gun for because historically it's all been that kind of middle distance when it comes to PTO where all the money was, but now like weighted for Ironman kind of the, seems like the optimal recipe for it would be doing like three Ironmans and two 70.3s as your top five scores. So I think it's going to, everybody's saying they think that it was like first openers of the year and like North America, Oceanside and Texas are just going to be like, massive 100 and 150 pro fields that could be wild right away
0: which is amazing you know when I look at the sport it's such a new sport but it's still it still needs to change and I think it's so exciting when you see all of these changes being implemented it just showed that like there's so much life in this sport and and we're just at the beginning so I think it's amazing
1: I like that this one's just like really open to any pros like the PTO one is obviously invite to the top couple top 25 or whatever pros if you want to call it plus the wild cards they give but this one it's like gives a glimmer of hope to any level of pro to like gamify this and figure out a way to maximize the system i've seen so many people doing spreadsheets from this year of how they how things would have played out and then i think uh people are going to find a way to yeah maximize their points on this and we might see some people do really well that maybe haven't in past years and get some sweet payouts and make it more of a living for themselves
0: yeah, like, didn't our um, Iron Man Queen get second? Alice Alberts would have, according to a spreadsheet, wouldn't have she have gotten second overall with the new point system?
1: Yeah, something like that. Cause she's done like four, three or four Ironmans already this year, and then she has Florida coming up again this weekend. Plus, I don't know I'm if she's about- even done any halves, but yeah, she she's definitely been frequent on the Ironman pro series. So it'll be cool to see her throw down. I think this is probably the other than maybe Texas this year where she didn't have maybe the best race there after winning her last two. It's going to be interesting to see how she does this yeah. weekend against the likes of sky and Jocelyn and a couple of people who are right in that top 10 in Kona. So exciting. I, know.
0: I know what I'm doing this weekend. Um, and there has been some drama in the endurance sports world. Let's start with, uh, Sam Laidlow.
1: Yeah, that post kind of came out of nowhere where Sam Laidlow was essentially like clawing back at a bunch of people who had allegedly like said he was doping so that he was to yelling at Rudy Von Berg's, like, parents. And uh, when and you then, say it that way,
0: it is just, like, underscores how ridiculous. Yelling
1: it. at Rudy's dad.
0: I'm mad at your mom. And
1: then a bunch of the other pros, and he just, like, kind of came out yelling about that. What? How do you think he handled it? And, like, do you think he needed to do a post like that when, like, he's just under investigation and nothing's been proven?
0: Well, it's one of those things where he went from looking like he's coming from a place of strength and confidence, because it's innocent until proven guilty, to looking like very, very, very guilty. Like, he doth protest too much. Like, <laughs> and I'm not saying he is or he isn't. I don't have enough information in this situation. But I think whether he's guilty or not guilty, he also is showing that he's in his early 20s. Like, this was a very immature response to it. Um, He just kind of went off. And I just think yeah it was it was pretty immature,
1: yeah. it seems um, like somebody of his on his team should have maybe held him up from doing that, but maybe they just didn't know he was going to do that. And that was just the breaking point for him. But people are saying it very much resembles the early part of like Lance before he got caught oh. where he was just like always on the offensive at people. And it was this like essentially coping mechanism because he knew that he was guilty. so hopefully, hopefully not the same case for him. But
0: well, this and, feels like. Yeah. It feels like when you go in and, like, there's glitter all over a room and you ask your, like, four-year-old, did you get into the glitter? And they're like, no, I didn't. It wasn't me. Like, and it start yelling at and pointing at other people. So I hope it's not the case. But at any case, I think poor Sam Laidlow needs a PR manager.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And then there was a little bit of drama around UTMB and uh, the new race in Whistler that they announced, um, which was... Uh, unfortunately taking over a a grassroots independent race. Um, And again, I don't know enough information about the situation, but I think it underscores a really important conversation in supporting your local races and how you do have an opportunity to vote with how you race. Um, And again, you don't know the whole story, but it's been really interesting to watch that conversation in the ultra running community and to see how uh, it's very polarizing.
1: Yeah, it's actually written really cool. Like, a lot of the trail community is very much behind Gary Robbins, Absolutely. who, like, um, used to have that race there, didn't have it for the last couple of years because he essentially couldn't get the permits, and then they gave it away to big, like, corporate sort of UTMB Ironman company there. Um, but yeah, it's cool to see, like, all those trail runners compete at those, like, big races, mm-hmm. UTMB and stuff like that. But they also really appreciate the fact that, like, somebody who, yeah, pours their life and... Stuff into the sport like that, like a guy like Gary Robbins, that they can also turn that switch on and be like, "Yeah, it's more than just about doing the biggest races and the corporations." So very cool to see like those kind of vibes coming out in the trail community. It's it's a good bunch out there.
0: It is, it is, and I think what we have learned from this news roundup is that Iron Man owns everything. So
1: yes, that is confirmed. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's change gears a little bit here. Maybe we can uh, hop into a little bit about. I don't think we've had a podcast since um, essentially Kona. You had your joint one, which people should check out with um, Feisty, where you mm-hmm. combined with Haley Chura and Alyssa on that one, which is a, a cool lesson from a coaches, pro and age group perspective. So mm-hmm. definitely recommend checking that out on uh, Feisty Triathlon there. But I'd love to hear a little bit about maybe from your end um, how kind of the Kona experience was. As a whole for you like leading in and maybe the race you can go as deep as you so choose <laughs>
0: and we're here till midnight no i'm just kidding um so going into it i was really busy at work so i wasn't fully wrapping my head around the magic that kona was going to be and you know when people tell you that a race is really special and amazing sometimes going like hearing about kona there's so much hype around it that you want to manage that it's not overhyped and you go and you're a little bit disappointed. What I can say, as someone who'd heard all the hype, is that Kona is worth all the hype. Um, I think that that's my key takeaway, is you go there, and it truly is a very, very special place. Um, It's extremely rugged, but it's ruggedly beautiful. Um, It was my first time in Hawaii, so it was really special to see the big island. Um, It was incredible to see how welcoming everyone was. Um, Even leading up into the race, we would go to the the village and we'd interact with with all of the local people and they they were just so jazzed to have the race they loved that it was women and it was just such a cool vibe um and I had I mean we've talked a little bit about the change of having only women and so this was the very first time that that ever happened it ended up being a really spectacular day, I found.
1: Can we time out a little bit there before you get there? I yeah. feel like we, we can't gloss over the fact that you didn't run for pretty much two weeks leading into the race. I don't want to gloss over that because I feel like it's a good lesson for people like that you cannot run for two weeks and still have a great race.
0: okay well let's backtrack and (laughs) just
1: just quickly I I feel like it's an important one because we didn't talk about it a lot on the podcast and you weren't too vocal about that on social media because you weren't sure how it was going to go and it obviously sucked emotionally for you you were going into your main race of the year and you weren't able to run for two weeks leading in
0: yeah thanks for that call out I I think that it's it it's an important note because often when you go through something and then you're done, you often, you so easily forget all the bad stuff. So that's kind of what I have done. Um, But there was a number of really big things that happened right before Kona. I think on the podcast, I talked about how my base bar snapped. Um, So I was scrambling to get that replaced in just a few weeks before Kona and trying to track that down. So big thanks to my local bike shop and, um, and Argon for making sure that that happened. Um, but at the same time, all of a sudden, I, I just noticed this pain in the back of my leg. And I could tell instantly that it was something that was cause for concern. So I had booked in with a local practitioner um, who I see to diagnose me for everything. And, you know he wasn't sure whether or not it was a stress fracture or not which completely freaked me out his comment was i've never seen a stress fracture here but i by the way that the pain is presenting um the way that i'm going to tell you is that if you have a pain eight eight out of ten or higher in the race you need to pull out so truthfully i tried really hard not to think about it going into the race i i wasn't i didn't feel overly anxious but I find that sometimes my pre-race anxiety comes out in these fake injuries, but you never wanna discredit something that feels like a real injury. So I talked with uh, this expert, I worked with you, and we just decided to shut it down. Um, So I did absolutely no running leading into the race, um, except for one, there was one day where I messaged and I said, listen, I have no pain, can I try it? And it ended up being a pain-free run, which was a good feeling, but even going into race morning, I had no idea how that would go if I would need to, like, just tap out of my most important race that I've been training for since last November.
1: Yeah. Um, so run us through the day a little bit. How did it go?
0: Well, um, I decided to go in with just a positive mindset with the assumption that I was going to do it. And um, I would deal with whatever would happen after felt pretty good. Um obviously the ocean swim is a completely different animal than what I'm used to, so salt water. I was really happy we were there early so I spent a lot of time in the water swimming and getting used to that. So that was key. I found that that was a big big takeaway. And I just focused on being relaxed and happy and and truthfully just grateful that I got to be there. Um and I think that was the one thing because I knew it wasn't a stress fracture or it was fairly certain I I knew that i would be able to run at least a part of it so i was just focusing on that mindset um and i went in just thinking i'm going to do the best that i can today so the swim went fairly well um i could have drafted a little bit better um in the way that i it shook out but at the end of the day i i had a fair swim it wasn't groundbreaking it wasn't awful it just was a swim um a really special moment in the swim was um i hadn't seen my training partner allison all um for that entire hour and change and as we were getting out I I turned and I saw her so I actually like waved at her underwater I got so excited um and our our race photos are actually us exiting the the water together people thought that uh, we were on each other's feet the
1: whole time which Just is not gabbing her. away like usual <laughs>
0: I I wish I think I would have swam better if I was with her but anyways so um hopped on the bike and felt really good immediately, which shows that like one of the things that you and I talked about before that is just really, really going as easy as possible on the swim within reason and not gassing myself because Kona is a hot, hot island and making sure that I manage that because that accumulates over the course of the race and can really wear you down. So the the bike, I just, I actually was feeling good and was pushing the high end of my power. um, And I would say the first, the first portion of the race was just one of those like pinching yourself. You're riding on such a historic course. It, there's so much crowd support. It was such a well-run and well-executed race. And it was really neat to be able to see you and and my parents had come down. So just seeing everyone on course um, and just sticking to my wattage. And this is when I really started passing a lot of people. So that felt pretty cool is is feeling like I was making up um, places. And the tracker definitely showed that. And I think I got, felt even better once I got to the the um, climb to Javi um, because I love climbing and that sort of helped me hit the next gear but I would say after the climb I started getting really hot and that's where the heat started getting to me a little bit and it wasn't it wasn't terrible but I would just notice like it would be in between aid stations I'd st- I'd start getting um, really tired and I'd really feel that I was pushing for that wattage and then the second that I'd hit an aid station, I'd grab and I'd spray water all over me. And I instantly was right back up to my power. And that was a key lesson in terms of, you know, the the effect and really feeling um, the impact that heat has on you.
1: Yeah, it's wild. It's like, because clearly you weren't, it wasn't actually dehydrating or it hadn't like physiologically actually hurt you because you were able to come back to power, but it like mentally the heat was putting a governor on you in those sections. So that's very interesting.
0: It was so cool to see because like I I was able to snap out of it, but yeah, just wilting like a little flower, but it was cool to, to just play those tricks and see how you could jump back.
1: You really weren't wilting at all. You look back on your like power for the race and you were maybe like eight Watts or something lower in the second half, which is like a good small tiny fade on one like that especially as the heat's rising and it was getting hotter and hotter out there
0: it was and it was fun because as as the bike went on i found that i was passing more and more women and and finally settling into um women that were biking around my wattage and speed so then i was able to distance out and then use them almost as carrots um and just say okay i'm not going to let the gap between us grow um, and that, there's also that drafting benefit. So I think all of that combined made a really, really good ride for me. It was a PR. Um, I'm really proud of that ride and excited on how I can continue to build on that. Um, when I dismounted, though, and I, it's crazy what, you know, adrenaline will do, um, my entire left foot was locked up and the side of my foot was cramping. And I was, I don't even know how I walked to my bags in transition and I was just thinking like, how am I going to run much less a marathon? But I, I said to a volunteer that my leg was cramping and this amazing medic volunteer comes over, starts massaging, massaging my left leg, um, or, and foot, um, while I'm putting my other shoe on. And so I think you saw me pretty early into the run. I was probably looking like garbage. Yeah, you, were,
1: of- you were definitely hobbling on that early part, but yeah. you, were, I knew, cause you had said it was like a foot cramp. I was yeah. like, Oh, I, I've had those before and that, you know, they typically unlock eventually. So it was actually kind of nice that to put a governor, if anything on you in those first 5k that can really cost you in Kona. So I actually wasn't that worried. I was just waiting on the tracker for your case to start to speed up.
0: <laughs> well, and thanks to, I mean, one of our past episodes with, was with uh, Dr. Rich. He really worked with me in making sure that I was taking enough salt. Um, So I, I started just Taking salt tabs, and you and I had talked about actually increasing my salt intake, probably over what I had trained with, which I was a little nervous about. But that ended up being absolute money, like uh, how I felt. I mean, spoiler to jump to the end of the marathon, I've never in my life felt this good. Um, as I did all the way through this marathon, um, in terms of declining, like it wasn't like I was flying or anything. But it was because I, I really, really protected myself through the entire marathon. Um, I really, really held back. Um, and I, I was fairly evenly paced. Um, you and I had talked about a strategy of walking every single aid station. So I would fill up my hat, I would, you know, put it in my sports bra. Um, and then I would hold on to it hold on to ice and then just rub it on key arteries as I was, uh, began running again. And I found that I was able to take in on my fuel and just, you know, kept a fairly steady pace. And it was just awesome. Like the run was really special. It did get like crazy hot out there. Um, but the energy lab was cool. Like it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. And I think that that was, that was my biggest takeaway from Kona is that I went in fit, I went in with the right mindset and I went in really scared. Um there's a lot of stories that make you respect how difficult this race can be and I'm really proud that I didn't go in with any level of overconfidence. I fully respected the day and as a result, I actually walked away with a PB time because I was I was probably overly cautious. Um of course I worked really hard but and and put in a speed but I was well within my zones so that I could execute and not fade.
1: So as a type A person, I obviously think you had a fantastic race that was very well executed, but two things. So you, one of your main goals was top 10 in your age group. You were 11th. And second of all, you were, I think the First person First. in the race who was just over 10 hours. I think you're like 10 hours and 23 seconds. 26, 26 seconds. 26 <laughs> I remember watching go to the finish line. I'm just like, oh, she's going to be so pissed at this. But dang, what a great race. <laughs> How do you feel about those <laughs> as a type A person?
0: You know what? As a type A person, I could fixate on numbers. But I think, you know, one of the things that I've been working so hard at in the last, I would say three years of my athletic career is mindset. So I gave it everything that I could have that day. When I look back on that race, I don't think, um, I think I executed perfectly in that 10, a a 10, a 10 hour and 26 second Ironman is what I had that day. So I, I don't regret it was my goal in the top 10. Absolutely. It was, was it, I actually didn't have a time goal. Um, So I'm walking away actually feeling really proud of it. And I'm not letting it bother me.
1: So like I would imagine as you're running down to the finish line, you don't know your time. You don't know your placing really at that point where you you must have been feeling pretty good about your race and proud of yourself as you got to that point before you even learned that other stuff.
0: Well, here's here's I'm I'm like outing myself. I'm terrible at math. So I didn't time to swim. Um, so I had no idea there and I wasn't like, I didn't have an overview of the race. So I truthfully in my head, I was like, I'm probably like upper 10 hours, close <laughs> to 11. And so then as I was coming down the carpet, I heard, and the announcer was singing about the woman in front of me called out her name. And there was like, I was still, I didn't have a ton of women around me. Um, and I heard him say, it's like, we'll just say Nicole in, and, and it's like Probably the last woman under ten hours. and I was like, "Damn it <laughs> so i I sprinted as hard as I could, but um, yeah, 10, 20, 10 hours and twenty six seconds was what I had, and I gave it everything I had, and I'm excited to keep improving, but no, I'm really, really proud of my day and proud of eleventh place and and proud of the fact that i of everything that I did that day you so should be yeah I learned, um of course, there's things that I took away and learned and i think salt is an important part i think i have a lot of a lot of work to do in the swim i'm excited to keep building on the bike and um yeah i can still hold on to um a boston qualifying ironman run streak so yeah it's yeah.
1: impressive you've only run over you've never run over 330 in an ironman marathon
0: yeah hoping to keep that streak alive i
1: think i'm only like two for six that i've run <laughs> under 330 <laughs>
0: I do love a good marathon off the bike, though, so it's all right,
1: maybe we just gotta push you harder on the swimming bike to to fully uh, maximize you, who knows. <laughs>
0: I have lots of work to do, and I'm excited to do it. But for now, I did take a little bit of a break. Um, so we went to Maui immediately after. Um, so had a super fun time there. Um, so the I think the only activity I did that week was, you know, some hikes. We played in the waves, but yeah, just took a full week off mentally, physically recovering, not even thinking about exercise. Um, But uh, the key difference for us is that we don't really view it as an off season. We're really big on keeping habits um, and, and building in sort of mental and physical recovery while continuing to sort of build out, you call it foundation season. So from a coaching perspective, what are we doing right now? It's not off season.
1: No, I I rebranded that a few years ago because I feel like it's actually one of the most important seasons for actually setting yourself up for success is the people that take this like three month, two month period off are the ones that now are playing catch up through that first three months and then are like cramming themselves towards their races and put themselves at more of these like instances that they're risking injury and stuff like that. Um, so yeah foundation season we sort of rebranded it as and it's this like kind of re-ramp into things it's more just getting that consistency back working on a lot of weaknesses so really some of the things we focus on during this time is uh, heavy strength so we get back to going to the gym typically two to three times a week a lot of compound lifts really working on those imbalances and you're doing some cool like And I'm going to do it eventually too. But you just did some like cool baseline, like strength testing with uh, Doc Kyle Simpson.
0: Yeah. So we're actually, uh, we'll ask you after this podcast, Doc, but um, looking to have him on the show, um, it would be really uh, neat to share some of the things that we're doing. But essentially, um, he's been working on um, a better way of measuring. Um, So when you when you go to a practitioner and they they go and say like out of a range of one to five, like what's your range of motion, what amount of strength, he's almost created this format where you can see almost like how as cyclists we measure watts per kilo, um, seeing in terms of like the strength in your 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 hip flexors, your adductors, um, your your pull. And just seeing where the imbalances are. So do you have extra strength in a hamstring that is unequally matched? Um, And he has this incredible testing system just to see where your imbalances and strength opportunities. Um, And it takes about an hour. So I went through that with him actually this week. And it was so, so cool um, to take insights. And it was really cool because when we went through the testing, he said, um at the very end he's like well there's been I'm a little surprised by the results and I was like oh boy here we go um but I think what surprised him is that how I maintained my strength because I would say that I I didn't do traditional it wasn't like I was heavy deadlifting in the middle of my 20 plus hour training weeks um but it just shows the strength maintenance you can have by just maintaining some endurance training as well um, but that's why foundation season so important to lay out that platform and make sure that it's there um, before you load back up the hours. So, yeah, it was it was super helpful because now I know what to address and where my weak points are. And so I can be stronger and faster than ever in 2024.
1: Yeah, it's cool to have a nice way to actually fully measure some of those weak areas by kind of doing a test through that whole system. So I'm excited I'm doing it with him next week. So I'm going toe to toe with Adam, the gorilla Dijon. So. We'll see if I can take him down on the uh, newtons per kilo uh, estimates.
0: Oh my gosh, you're gonna burst blood vessels trying to do this, aren't hey, you?
1: Yeah, I beat him at our little one tune up one, but I don't think he was trying, so
0: we'll see. Yeah, he's, he's coming for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah, foundation season. So we have that baseline strength that we're doing, but um, some of the keys that we really focus on during this foundation season, so. Um, it's really like form, strength, efficiency that we're working on. So when we talk about actual endurance, we're kind of almost resetting some of our volume, going from low volume, rebuilding it up to kind of that mid range of some of our volume. Um, a lot of our intensity we do is like polarized. So we do a lot of that like zone one, two kind of base building stuff. And then, like I mentioned, we're come off of VO2 max today. So we're starting to re some of that top end, get that firing again. So um, personally, as a coach, I use polarized, and then I go closer to a pyramidal approach in terms of intensity. Um, Alan Cousins, I've used a bunch of stuff. If you've ever checked his website out before, there's some uh, cool ways of he talks about periodization and testing different kind of strategies across that. Um, And then, yeah, we do a bunch of baseline testing. So we did that a a few weeks ago. So our testing protocols, we actually change kind of depending on the time of year. Um, We have a lot of athletes that don't work one-on-one. It's easier when somebody's working one-on-one with a coach because the coach is constantly giving feedback analysis and seeing workouts but um, we have a number of members who are on our performance plan which is our more kind of economical plan there so we do a lot of baseline testing for them so this time of year versus killing people with like max effort 5k time trials or 20 minute ftp tests we go with some slightly different protocols so uh for the swim swim we actually do a pretty hard one just because it's a low impact sport so we usually use like the css tests where you do the 400 and 200 kind of max efforts we also pair it with usually like a longer one like a 12, 10 by 100 best average with like something like 15 seconds rest between them off kind of a set pace time so we get some baseline on swimming like that um, biking we've actually been doing we usually do a ramp test even if it's not like top especially a lot of us endurance athletes coming off an Ironman season maybe don't have a lot of that top end zap Um, we can still use the ramp test because uh, you'll you'll find your kind of limiter on that upper part but it still gives us a bit of an estimate of where you're at and people actually find like once you intro some of that vo2 stuff and get a little bit of that high-end work your ramp test better resembles sort of your 20-minute test if you want to call it but we like to keep the suffering a little bit shorter in that foundation season and then we also do some like heart rate power sort of sub-maximal testing where we'll do like 10 minute blocks at 60 70 80 percent and then run we again do some of that sub-maximal sort of testing so we've been doing kind of like a, if you want to call it like a math test uh, like phil maffetone has this like math method where you can kind of run if you want to call it like in the upper edge of your zone two and kind of see what that heart rate and pace ends up as and then be able to compare that over time and see kind of how your heart rate kind of creeps during that or for future ones pin your heart rate at a certain number and uh, kind of see how that pace if you can hold on to that pace or if your pace falls off it's uh, some cool ways to see how your aerobic fitness is but one thing I'm very excited about is I just want a lactate plus meter so get ready to uh, be poking our fingers and earlobes lots in the next little while Cause I've always been very curious to try one out of some uh, intensity control using the lactate meter. So I'm very excited for that too.
0: Listen, I'm down to be a lab rat. <laughs> I love to learn more. And I think once you get the foundations in place, which we've done a lot, a lot of work on, I think it just comes down to that, like the small little micro wins. although, and I'm going to just quickly make a point about foundation season. We didn't close the loop, I know we introduced that I couldn't run for two weeks, um, going into the race and then we're like, okay, happy with the race. This is great. The, th- the final thing that I will say is, <clears throat> sorry, going into the the foundation season, I didn't have any pain ever again from that area, which shows that my mind completely invented it, which was like both exciting and also frustrating for me because I'm like, I will never be able to trust myself in terms of injuries again. Um, but uh, I did go back to a practitioner um, who saw me before the race and he saw, he's like, I was not expecting this. He's like, truthfully, I thought you were going to be hobbling and that we were going to be doing a return to run program. But nope, it was all in my head. We're we're back in foundation season and, and running healthy. So
1: that is what we call a lingerie in this household. So Jess's old Instagram handle was Laces and Lattes. So we used to call her Latte. So I used to call it a lingerie, a made up injury not to say I don't trust you when you, but some of them, I'm just like, it, this is not presenting like an injury. So
0: <laughs> listen, an injury is a tricky one. Like yeah, you never yeah. want to diminish it. Yeah, and exactly. like, I just don't know why I am the way that I am. I wish that my mind wouldn't invent these injuries. Um, so I, I surround myself with people who take a close look and try to give me best advice. But yeah, sometimes, sometimes I'm hard to trust.
1: All right, you made it to the start line in one piece and no real Somehow. In, No real injuries for the year. Like if you want to call that an injury but wasn't really an injury, you gotta well, be wasn't though. Well, gotta be pumped that no real injuries this year that we've done such a good job of staying away from those the last few years. Yeah. What what elements do you think have helped us stay Away from injury, in your opinion?
0: Well, the first thing that I will say very clearly is I don't think that injury is a failure. And I think we we unpacked that with Michelle and Kim in our last episode. And so if you haven't listened to that one, it's really worth a listen. Um sometimes with the amount of load that's that you put on your body, it's not a matter of if, it's when. Um, but so I think that sometimes you can just do absolutely everything right, and sometimes your body just changes in a way that you're not used to and you're injured. I've been extremely, extremely fortunate um, and in some ways very lucky that in the last, it's been ages since I've had an injury. Um, I don't know
1: why that's lucky or that you're fortunate. You've done the work to make sure that it is so.
0: Well, that was my other point. There is an (laughs) element of luck because of what I just said, because it's not a failure if you're injured. But I have also done all of the things to make sure that I don't get injured. So we've talked a lot about I eat enough. I'm constantly eating when I'm training to make sure that I'm replacing um, what I'm burning. I do mobility work. I do uh, foundation season. So right now I'm back up to three strength days a week. I'm just getting sure that I get super strong. Um, And you do small things like casein protein before bed. I take supplements to make sure that I'm if I'm not getting everything in my food, I'm getting it there. I drink water, uh, sleep. Um, I think the one thing that I've unpacked is that, holy smokes, I need a lot of sleep, like more than you, like sometimes like up to two hours more than you. Mm -hmm. Um, So really, really, really doubling down on the sleep, Um, eight hours minimum, which is actually annoying how much sleep I need. But just giving my body that I think, Yeah. There's lots of little things. Yeah,
1: I think the final one you missed in there is just like intensity control and listening to your body and workouts of knowing like when to drop intensity in one or just like doing your easy stuff on a like easy sort of wide ranging scale. So I've seen you some days where you're like, I'm just tired and I'm going to run 545 per kilometer, which is like could be close to a minute 45 closer than like your open marathon pace. Like that is people got to realize you, it's okay to go super easy on those days where your body needs it. And I think you've done a very good job of that, which helps you stay injury-free when you're not pushing on days where you're carrying a lot of fatigue or where your body's telling you to slow the heck down. Well, I
0: think to to make a quick link back to the race we were talking about, like Kona is, you know, this was one of the very first races that you ever, you didn't put times for me. In fact, you originally had them and we talked about you just taking them out. So it was like a wicked race because I didn't, I didn't for once, like I knew approximately the wattage, but the whole day, just because of the heat, I just listened to my body. And because of that, I think that's why I had such a happy race because like, that's what my body could produce on that day. Um, So doing that every single day in your training, it's just, I know it's such a simple concept, but it's just crazy that when you listen to your body, your workouts go better and your performance goes up. Who would have
1: known? Yeah. I feel like as a coach before I almost took pride in like putting those times in there. Cause I knew what the athlete was capable of and I wanted to, them to just go like perform that. And I kind of got pride out of being able to predict people's performance. You're good at that so closely, but I also am realizing more and more, like I can do those predictions on the side on my own, but really getting the athlete and it's going to depend on the athlete, um, but getting them to really focus on just executing in that discipline, in the moment, in that section, Take care of their nutrition and they're gonna and whatever the time is, the time is because they never know what conditions they're gonna throw at you or anything like that. So you just execute to the best of your ability and the time is the time.
0: I think one of the craziest things about being a coach must be how different things motivate different athletes. Like I was talking to someone else the other day and I was like just praising them. I was saying really great things about their performance. I'm like, you're so great, like you've improved so much. And they responded to me. They're like, you know, you'd motivate me a lot if you were just telling me that I was crap and that I needed to be better. I was like, what are you kidding me? So like, I'm sure you see it all from that to people who need you to really give positive feedback um, and then even sort of what they need leading into a race. And it probably is like a game of chess or Jenga or whatever to try and figure out each person's personality type. Like, what do you do as a coach to make sure that you're giving that athlete what they need?
1: Yeah, that's the whole like calibration part of working with an athlete in the first like number of months is you're just like giving feedback or seeing the way they talk about things and you just kind of learn their flow over time of what is actually going to motivate them. And that's like even more important to the puzzle piece than really like the training plan itself is like you could build the most perfect training plan, but it doesn't matter if like the athlete doesn't believe in it. And if they can't execute on it and if they're just like mentally stressed about things, they're like, yeah, that's, that's the whole puzzle piece as a coach. Once you finally understand that athlete and then can it's that whole Jim Vance thing of like getting them the motivation they need to cross that threshold. And then they just know how to put pieces in place to continue to move themselves forward to their goals. But until they kind of cross that part, then it's a, uh, you're kind of butting against each other a little bit. So it takes time and hopefully just a lot of learning and, asking questions as an athlete and trying different approaches with each one but I feel like I get a little better at it every single year and working with different types of athletes so never I read so many books and stuff about this because it's like I'm realizing more and more and more the importance of it where I would say early in my coaching career I was just like I just got to make the perfect plan the person will execute it and they'll get the result and it's like oh my goodness there is so much more to the puzzle than that so I know when you test out all your new coaching philosophies, like Mm -hmm. there was
0: time recently he's, I I came home and I think you asked me a question like what, what is what I forget what the question was. It was a really good one. It's something about like, what's stressing you out most at work or something. And I was like, I'm so glad you asked. And I just went into this big rant and I realized you were doing, you were testing out one of your new coaching tools on me because of all the follow-up questions you were asking. But, um, So you have awakened a question monster for me. I have two questions for you in terms of like when you're unlocking the best out of your athletes, what is the best part
1: about coaching
0: me and what is the worst part about coaching me?
1: So specific to you?
0: To me. Yeah. Just to, as an example of like working with an athlete and like finding out, well, actually I'm going to add a third question. What do you think motivates me? And then what's the worst thing about coaching me and the best thing about coaching me?
1: Oh my goodness could have done some prep for this or something.
0: (laughs) No, off the cuff is better.
1: Um, I think the like, best and most challenging part about working with you is almost the same thing is you just have so much like, energy and drive that when we get it working in the right way, it is like, pushes you forward. But it's also you bring that drive to so many other aspects of life that it sometimes butts up against your ability to actually put it all into training and not saying training is our like, entire life here we have other aspects to it but it's just one of those things of like you have infinite energy and you send that into your work and then you're like sliding in three minutes before a workout and it's just like holy like it's a whirlwind which like works for you but it's also like can be to your detriment sometimes when it just yeah costs you in little preparation things of yeah mentally things like that so it, it works so it's like your greatest gift and maybe your kryptonite at the same time
0: probably (laughs) and what motivates me you tell me I would like to hear what you think first
1: (laughs) um yeah I think you just like the challenge of getting better every day and seeing like how far you can go in something it's less about like these perfect like arbitrary goals of like going under 10 hours or qualifying for a Kona I think you just like the challenge and of like balancing this within the confines of like a crazy work life and um, going after big performance in there but just yeah continuing to see like what's on the other side here you're still like it, when you think about it, it's crazy you're still only like 10 or so years into sport as a whole so I feel like you're still like so new to it I've been doing sports since I was like three years old I'm like 30 plus years of this so you have so much like still learning to go so it's it's cool to see
0: I started sport in 2010 so it's been almost 14 years yeah Still not that long. <laughs> no, it's true. So,
1: um, what motivates you then? Was my answer close or
0: making you proud?
1: <laughs> oh, good. No, I think Don't I do it for me.
0: <laughs> no, it. I think. I I think everything that you said is like what it's. So, I think it's just seeing. I I think it's just reaching my potential. And like full stop. So like what motivates me in sport is what motivates me at work is what motivates me in all my passion projects is like, I just want to be the best that I can be in this. Um, And I think one of the things that I'm going to keep working on in 2024 and beyond is my relationship with competition. Like I think that competitive fire, some people have it, some people don't. And I find that I've been working a lot in the psychology part of it to be more intrinsically motivated than extrinsically motivated um but i think i have a hard time turning that switch off so i think that that sometimes is to my detriment um like man i have a competitive fire and that's good until it isn't
1: so i've seen you change over the last while from being as much like comparison as much as like seeing the strong ladies and letting them inspire you to what's possible versus like comparing yourself to them. So I've actually noticed a shift in that in the last while from you. So
0: thank you. I've been working hard at it because number one, celebrating strength and Mm -hmm. learning from people who are stronger um, rather than, and I think that that's something that it's not just in female sport, but sometimes we feel like just because Um, a person has something or does something that that's directly correlated to you doesn't have to have anything to do with you you can just celebrate that thing and take that inspiration and move forward so
1: I think we owe a lot of kudos to that now as I think about it and being in Kona for an all-women's world championship like that I think we owe it to the current like gatekeepers of I don't know if you want to call it gatekeepers but the top females in the sport I just think of like that right before Kona, there was those top seven in the race who were all hanging out and they were taking those pictures before the race. Yeah. And it's like, they were all going to go out there on that Saturday and rip each other's legs and heads off. But they were like, so supportive of each other. And even the post-race press conferences, the finish line, like they're embracing each other. Authentically, you could tell like so happy for each other. Lucy talked about how like literally all the other pros on course were like, cheering for her because they wanted her to literally win this race and like all of the people who finished behind her had no excuses they were like she was the best on the day like we brought our best and like that's amazing that she got that there was no like excuses animosity i'm sure they still wanted to win but like just the i think a lot of the changing of the sport is owed to the people at the top right now who are putting on such an incredible example of how you can be so competitive like want to crush each other, but also like so supportive of each other and just respect where respect is due. Very cool.
0: Totally. I think it, yeah, it, it is such a big inspiration. And to your point, if you rip on your own performance, you're diminishing the performance of the people ahead of you. And that's just not the case. They were just stronger. They were better. And it's amazing.
1: Boom. I feel Boom. like that is a spot to leave it off today. Thank you to all those amazing ladies who are paving the way in the sport. And those yes. and the men for that. Yes. Uh, for that as well. But to
0: sportsmanship.
1: But Holy Kona was friggin' amazing. I can't wait to go back to that place. It is you glorious. Had, you had a time, yeah. Mr. Cullen. I went to the slow twitch party, Bob Babbitt's party, you name it. I went to the party.
0: The thank goodness I'm not racing party. You got the hat with the beer opener to prove it.
1: Swim 0.0 bike 0.0, 0 run 0. 0.0 brag for the rest of your life <laughs> mark out
0: <laughs> well thank you so much for listening we will be back next week with a really exciting guest um, but in the meantime happy training and we'll see you next week wow how great was that i always learned so much from these endurance icons If you enjoyed the podcast as well, please consider liking us across social media, subscribing to us on YouTube, or giving us a five-star rating on wherever you listen to your podcasts. We appreciate you and your support so much. We wish you happy training, and we'll see you back next week.